My name is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. I'm a global connector, networking concierge, and coach. For two decades, I believed that my ADHD was a disability. Only at the age of 41 would I come to realize that my ADHD was an incredible asset, and when I leaned into that, I achieved greater success than ever before. ADHD is the engine behind my own success as a networker and coach. Over the past few years, I've spoken with thousands of entrepreneurs and found that many of them have some kind of neurodiverse diagnosis, ADHD, autism, dyslexia, OCD, and more. Like me, for many of them, their neurodiversity is indeed the very source of their success. On this show, we will change the narrative on neurodiversity. I've heard enough about the challenges and how hard it can be. I want to hear about how awesome we are. It's time to start talking about how our neurodiversity can be an asset for ourselves, our communities, and our businesses. It's time to start talking about neurodiversity superpowers. And welcome back to the Neurodiversity Superpowers podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows the guy. And today we have with us Heather Dempsey. Heather is a business coach specializing in emotional health, mindset, and the psychology of business. She helps introverts, empaths, highly sensitive people, and those who struggle with anxiety show up powerfully and comfortably in their business by creating radical emotional and mindset transformations. She's also a foodie, a cat lover, a personal development and self-care enthusiast. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you. Happy to be here. Excellent. Yes, very excited to have you here. Um, So I particularly enjoyed in, uh, in the notes you sent ahead on Describing how you're successful, you opened with, you missed the part where people learn that opening a business is hard and scary. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I uh, I probably would have benefited from that part, um, but I'm also grateful that I did not learn that way. All right. So you, you said you started a few businesses? Yeah, I think I'm on my 14th now. Um, but I also count different locations, right? Every time I, I upgraded or expanded, I consider that in the count. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So I started, I think it was 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. that is quite a few businesses and many of them successful, I gather. All of them actually. Yeah. They've either sold merged into one, which made it way more convenient. Um, or I moved and brought it with me. Wow. That is pretty impressive. hundred mm-hmm. percent is higher than the usual business success rate. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I missed that lesson too. So that's why it works for me. I didn't oh, yeah. hear about that. <laughs> that's a very Wiley Coyote strategy. Nobody told you you're supposed to fall. So you didn't fall. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And then now that they do tell you, you've had enough successes that you can say, yeah, because Right. It's the first five years that they talk about that and I'm well past them. So I'm good. <laughs> I yep. must have missed that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a, don't tell me the odds. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, so tell me about how you are neurodiverse. Well, in, in discovering what this means, right, you've shared that it's just that your brain might work differently, which I think actually would mean that everybody is at some level because everyone's brain works differently than each other. But mine, I think, highly sensitive and empath um, for sure. There are some people that I know, like colleagues, that suggest that maybe I should look into sensory processing disorder. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure, though. I think it's just the highly sensitive. There's some parts of the processing disorder that seem like they resonate, but then there are others that it doesn't at all. So um, so I just stick with the, the highly sensitive as my my core one. Okay. And, and so it sounds like, if I understand it correctly, that your 
challenge and your superpower are kind of the same thing. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I believe that to be the case with a lot of things too. Like if you're in a relationship, your favorite thing about your partner and what attracted you to them is actually the thing that will drive you the craziest as well. Okay. Um, so I, I think there's always the extremes of everything. Interesting. Yeah, that that <laughs> that makes some sense. I mean, like for me with my ADHD, my constant need for new experiences, which <laughs> can be problematic and leave me shiny objects, is also why I network so much, which is what my business is as a networker. So right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, so those are really kind of the, the same thing. Um mm -hmm. And so how does, how does that sensitivity, that empathy uh, lead, lead to your success of your gazillion businesses? Um, what I've been really reflecting on as I've just expanded to a, a new location, I'm bringing back old things that I had retired from. And when I sit back and see it, it's like in, in a matter of minutes, I can create an environment that feels so comfortable and safe and soothing, homey, but clean, like all of these things. And it's, it's that highly sensitive that I can like tune into every single thing. Mm -hmm. And then the empathic part of me can sense what other people are experiencing often before they even understand how to articulate what they need or where they're disappointed. So it started in my day spa that I realized this was a crazy asset to have. Because if I walked into a room, I could tell something was off and I could tell who it was off with. And then I could, with my highly sensitive, pick up on, you know, what is it and fix it before they even had a chance to have it register for themselves. I can see it being very powerful. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, the, as, a, as a geek, the character comes to mind is Deanna Troy from Star Trek. Okay. Um, are you familiar with her? Uh, I think is she the one that's kind of like has telepathy? Yeah. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, more just empathy. Okay. Um, but but she, she feels the emotions of others. Right. Um, which is her power, so she can say, you know, oh, Captain, I think they're lying to us. But also, mm -hmm. if if someone experiences a severe, you know, if they just if they hear that their their child died, she will feel that with them. Um, mm -hmm. So occasionally, she you know gets a wave of emotion and falls to the ground or or is mm -hmm. overwhelmed by that. Uh, would would you say that that's a fairly accurate? Or yes. Okay. I can even think of a, a time way back. Um, this has happened numbers of times. So for some reason, this one sticks out for me. Someone was sharing that somebody passed away that was really close to them. And I just, I mean, just tears. It was like instantly tears were just streaming down. And for me, that's normal. Mm -hmm. But for other people, it isn't always a normal thing. So then it's kind of like, oh, what is she doing? <laughs> like, um, so it's just this awkwardness, but yeah, yeah, it's, it creates awkwardness is, is how I would say that it kind of creates a challenge. Interesting. Um, mm -hmm. because, because, yeah. So of course they see you crying. They're like, oh, did you, did you know him? And you're like, no, but I'm in the room with this person who did. So right. of course I feel that. Yes. Yeah. Like, so, so people are, are not comfortable with, well, I guess you know, people are not comfortable with displays of motion <laughs> generally yeah. in a lot of cases. Right. They don't know how to just be present with someone. You know, I, people that are closest to me know if I start to cry, please don't come to hug me. That's shutting it down, right? Psychology teaches like if somebody's emotional, if you put your hand on their shoulder, often it's when they stop crying. And there's this like squashing of experiencing their feeling. Mm. And it's hard for other people because they want to fix it because it's making them feel bad. And I think there's the both parts, right? They want the person they're with not to feel bad and they also don't want to feel bad. So they're trying to fix it. And it's actually part of where 
all of our stress and anxiety can come from is not processing emotions thoroughly. So, um, so yeah, I think that it, it is an awkward situation. I mean, I go to restaurants and any conversation I have can bring me to happy tears or sad tears. And I don't know how many people are like, could you stop crying? People are going to think I did something to you. <laughs> and I had a friend, we were out to dinner and it was something I was, I was happy. And I started tearing. He's like, people are going to think we're dating and I'm breaking up with you. Could you please stop? And I'm like, how about just be okay with tears coming out of my eyes? Why is it such a big deal? Sounds like you have very sensitive friends. Uh, and so, like worried about what other people are thinking. Yeah, right? any other form yeah. of sensitive. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. Well, and I think so. I, I think of myself as a problem solver. Actually, at one point, my business card said professional problem solver. <laughs> because, you know, when I come across, when someone's upset, mm -hmm. I do want to, if there's an underlying problem to solve, mm -hmm. I like to solve. Like my wife is upset because she doesn't like her job. So I'm trying to solve it by getting her into my business. And because mm -hmm. you know, she, she doesn't need to be comforted because her job's upsetting. She needs to not have the job. Mm -hmm. Whereas in your case, where you're absorbing someone else's emotions, there is no underlying solution. There's not a problem mm -hmm. even. Right. And I, I actually, I guess that's, that's kind of the key thing. There's not a problem. It's, right. They're just emotions. There, there is smoke, but there is no fire. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just experiencing. I mean, we experience warmth, we experience cold, we experience loud, we experience quiet, we experience sad and happy. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just having that experience is part of life. Um, but, you know, there's this expectation of you'll only be happy if you're happy. Mm. But it's not necessarily true. Yeah. Well, now mm -hmm. I also think about like, you know, sad movies, which mm -hmm. are sort of designed to create an empathic experience. And they're struggling mm -hmm. between the music and the pacing and everything is made to transmit an emotion to you. Mm -hmm. And you cry during the sad movie. Nothing's wrong. You actually went there for that experience. Right. Um, and possibly even to experience the, an emotion that you're not comfortable experiencing outside. But, oh, it's a sad movie. Of course I'm crying. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not that I'm over emotional. It's just it's a sad movie. So there's nothing right. in my eye. It's perfectly normal. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. And then with the highly sensitive aspect where it goes to the extreme is like my partner wanting to watch nature shows on like, you know, National Geographic and his son's there and we're watching it and I have to leave the room because the, you know, lion's about to attack the deer. And I can't, I can't, I just can't even experience that. And that's a really typical um, quality of a highly sensitive person that to see violence or anger or injury is is more upsetting to a highly sensitive person than the average person who can say oh that's just nature right that's just what happens mm -hmm. it's more of like putting ourselves where it kickstarts the empathy of like how scared is the is the deer how you know how much pain is it going through okay. that part's a little it gets a yeah. little exhausting i can definitely see the challenge there but on the flip side mm -hmm. uh you, this also allows you to be successful in many ways i know you work you work with highly sensitive people, empaths, introverts, uh, yep. various folks like that. Tell me a bit about uh, some of the work you do and how your, how your neurodiversity helps you do it. Yeah, I think that the approach that I have that's a little bit different is I've, I started out from the law of attraction, right? I love this idea of visualizing things and feeling the feeling and attracting the things. And then when I actually had a chance to work with John Asaraf and he said the part that was missing in the secret you know, and in all these things was that there was a, a level of action that had to be taken, mm -hmm. right? The visualization and the put yourself there was important, but the, the action needed to be taken as well. Um, so it's, 
a couple different elements of helping people understand that being in the energy is super valuable. Taking action is even more valuable, but it's the alignment of all of it and trying to be really true to yourself. So with the business owners I work with, most of us are looking at traditional marketing strategies, right? I work with a lot of coaches and authors and traditional strategies are like getting yourself out there, doing the things. And for an empath, a highly sensitive, what isn't said is that there's probably going to have to be factored in the downtime for them for the longest time. Oh, I see my internet's a little choppy right now, I think. But for the longest time, I would say if I worked with a client for an hour, I also needed an hour of just recoup, whether that was, you know, a energetic purification or a nap or eating or something. Um, yeah, so just really helping them to see physically and energetically what they need so that they can maintain the gifts and the superpowers and have it not be draining. But then also to help them uncover what were the things that they started to believe about themselves before anybody understood how to be with a highly sensitive person or an empath or an introvert, mm. what did they believe about themselves that's now holding them back, right? You're too sensitive, you're too reactive. Well, then they might be afraid to put themselves out there or um, just just the, the judgments, right? And the, the even the innocent little comments that are made from people that create the judgment of like, I'm not like everybody else, right? I'm weird. I make people uncomfortable. If somebody has a feeling that they make people uncomfortable, they're probably not going to be super excited with getting up on stage and speaking yeah. or, you know, putting themselves out into a live um, experience or a workshop. So helping them uncover what were the beliefs, right? The subconscious patterns that were created and where did they stem from? Because then we can go back and reconcile that, come in with the resources energetically emotionally now and bring it into present time so the belief can just be basically dissipated mm, yeah i love that and it, one of the themes that i've found in all the interviews i'm doing uh and and in my own life as well is the idea of removing judgment from the the challenges from the weaknesses because uh, mm -hmm. it's you know in, in my own case you know adhd comes with a poor memory and it used to be like, oh, why is my memory so bad? And that's holding me back. Am I lack of focus? And if only I had this, then I could do that. And when I finally embraced, like, oh, I've got a poor memory and I got a lack of focus. That's just what I got. I've also got gray hair and I'm stunningly attractive. You know, these are just facts. I can't change them. <laughs> and once I embrace them and stop judging them, then, <laughs> then they, they don't, a lack of memory doesn't serve me, but uh, they don't detract. They're just things right. that are. And I think the same thing with, with the people you work with. That once they stop judging their sensitivity and judging their empathy and and mm -hmm. judging the fact that they need a break after engaging with people and just mm -hmm. that's it that's what they need yeah. don't judge it just do what you need to do you know you don't judge your car because it needs oil change right 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 <laughs> not comparing yourself to other people because we have no idea what their practices are either right mm -hmm. it's we have no idea what they're doing in the background and just helping them get super in tune with who they are at the core, not who yep. they became based on, you know, the, the place they had to fit into. Mm. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's a huge thing. Uh, and so, so of course this is, this is a matter of, of you are helping people who are similar to you. It sounds mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. um, so this is sort of a, somewhat a matter of taking your journey and teaching them things that you've learned along that journey. 
Um, it is, but it's also very personalized, right? If we're uncovering the belief system that was created for them, that might not be my journey at all. Mm. Um, but in the trainings that I've had, I've learned how to uncover other people's experience. I actually, I'm not uncovering it. I'm facilitating them uncovering it. Right. So I think where my experience comes in is it's why I'm so passionate about helping people discover this stuff because there were so many times that it held me back. <laughs> And, and in the experience seeing like, wow, there are, like you said, there are assets to it. Yes. Sometimes it is a little awkward to cry in a restaurant and that's who I am, right? Like it's just how it is yep. to take that judgment away where I was totally embarrassed and I wouldn't go out anymore. Like that was just silly. Mm. So to, to, to feel the liberation of, Hey, guess what? If you're uncomfortable because I'm crying, that's a shame you're uncomfortable. <laughs> just that feels so powerful that sounds right? like a you problem <laughs> right and that's actually what i i help people to understand like the people that feel uncomfortable they they actually have a deficiency and not saying it in a rude way but like a deficiency in processing emotions so we're actually doing a really great job <laughs> they're the ones that are like nope nope can't do it yeah so yeah that makes a lot of sense and, and uh, that's i i love that concept that's similar that's why i launched this show is mm -hmm. is i realized that me in the past needed to hear the messages that we're sharing here exactly. you know sharing here now um exactly. speaking of the past uh mm -hmm. you, you mentioned in the notes the, the idea of highly sensitive children becoming codependent adults mm -hmm. as they grow up and uh, i'd love to hear more more of your thoughts on that yeah i love this and and i i feel so excited because i i thought of this concept like a year or so ago and i don't really hear anybody saying it so i'll patent it um, I believe that when we're an empath or highly sensitive as a child, right, we don't know how to handle that. All we know is that something feels terrible, right? And, and it's happening and we don't know. And then there becomes enough understanding, right? Kids are smart enough to know where it's coming from and that there's something wrong. And then trying to fix it a little bit. And I don't think as a child, we're fixing it for the other people. We're fixing it because we don't feel okay yeah. and we need to do something to either put a buffer or do something so maybe it's seeing that tension between the parents and wanting to make them laugh instead or acting up so that they don't have it between them because if their bond isn't strong what's going to happen to the child right all these uncertainties so the child starts to use all these tactics unknowingly of how can I divert all of this and deflect these feelings because it's too much. Mm. And so factor in years and years of practice of that. Then it comes into relationships of like, oh, my partner always seems to get upset when this happens. So I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that doesn't happen mm -hmm. or get it in a capsule so they don't have to deal with it. And we just get masterful at it. Mm. Yeah, and I, I can see that creating a uh, a feedback loop because mm -hmm. if you're directly affected by someone else's emotional state then you're going to very actively try to preserve their emotional state which means they don't especially in a relationship because right. they're like yeah she'll take care of it right and, right and or they, or they could even absorb the lesson of if i'm upset it must be her fault because she thinks so right or it just gets frustrating because the the codependent doesn't allow the other person to do stuff that they're fully capable of doing and that creates a lot of resentment and it almost feels like 
they're too controlling, right? Like I definitely, I've heard that in relationships like that. I'm too controlling. I take too much control. Well, because I know I'll be able to handle how I handle it. I don't know what it'll do to me energetically and emotionally if I let somebody else handle it. Right. And that's something that's taken a lot of years to understand why was that so crucial to me? Mm. And it's because of this. So then now I can say, okay, I would really like to take control of the situation and I don't have to. And what is the worst thing that's going to happen if I don't, I'm going to get uncomfortable and I'm going to need a break. Mm -hmm. And now it just became a, Hey, what do we do here? Instead of this overwhelming, you know, how am I ever going to handle this? I have to take charge. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so besides go through many years of personal development, um, what can someone do or more importantly, what can a parent do if they have a, a sensitive child uh, to, to better help them hone their gifts and their strengths and not to leave them with, you know, so they don't have to hire you in 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's not give that secret away then. Um, <laughs> I, I had this conversation with my mom really quick. I'll just share that when we started to talk about it, she would say, you know, I, we didn't know what that was when you were a kid, but come to think of it every single time we would go to the beach, by the time we got to the beach, you had a fever and it was like you had the flu and you would just lay under the blankets the whole time. And it was that it was too many people, too much stimulation. There was the car ride, all these things. And she's like, but we didn't know what to do. So to me, it's noticing, right? If, if your child starts to act in a certain way, every time they're in a certain type of dynamic, then what's the dynamic and how could that be impacting them? Mm. Um, talking to them about it, <clears throat> letting them know. Uh, I work with kids a lot of times with when they're highly emotional. Usually, sorry, I'm starting to lose my voice. <clears throat> I usually work with them when they're in a, a really yucky place. Mm-hmm. And what I've taught them is like, just pretend you have a backpack on. And right now, it seems as though you might be putting other people's emotions in that backpack. And now you're carrying them around with your emotions. And can you start to notice when you think you're putting someone else's stuff in your backpack and don't, right? Or take your backpack off at night. So they have that visual of like actually removing this backpack, putting it away. And at the end of the, you know, the night when you wake up, it's going to be empty again. So teaching them to start to identify what's theirs and what's other people's. That is huge, huge. So if a parent can acknowledge that their child is taking on other stuff and let them know that say it's like normal and it's not healthy for them. Not that it's anything about other people, but like, wow, it must be so tiring, right? That must must make you feel so sad inside. Well, it does. So tell them that, that that's normal. Um, so the acknowledgement, right? Putting it all out there and giving them those little strategies of how they can learn to discern things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, and so you know, some of the things you said there about being, uh, paying attention to it and accepting it. Um, mm-hmm. I think is is really key, and I, I think this may be something our that the current generations are more open to than past generations, where it was you know children mm-hmm. should be seen and not heard, and they should fit into a nice little box and yes. sit in class all day, and um, you know learning disability was anything that meant they couldn't fit in the box, uh, and and, and yeah, that's part of my my mission with the the show here is this idea of that thing that makes your child different could be what makes them great, so mm-hmm. don't try to stamp it down because this could be you know, how your child becomes a millionaire and pays for your retirement. Um, mm-hmm. Not saying your child should be an investment of that kind, but, you know, if you're thinking that way, um, right. yeah. you know, that their sensitivity could be 
what makes them a very successful therapist, talk show host, yes, lawyer, whatever. Um, it could it could make them that, <clears throat> and without protecting them, it could also lead them down a really painful road. Mm -hmm. So it's so valuable. Yeah. So so you need to acknowledge it, accept it, get, prepare them to protect themselves and yeah. develop the the tools and strategies to to manage themselves, mm -hmm. but then also help them to hone the superpower it gives them. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's so powerful. It is so powerful what somebody can do with that type of ability for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's great. Which I think, you know, some parents may hear that and be like, wait, so my sensitive child who overreacts to everything, that could be why they're going to be great. I think so many parents fixate on, you know, a good child. My mm -hmm. child is good and quiet. Well, that's not a good thing. Right. Quiet doesn't yeah, and, really get uh, really gonna be a, a sign of, of where their success is gonna come from. Yeah. The and the overactive, like the over exaggerating kind of energy of a child, that might actually be pointing to that they need that need stuff to soothe their nervous system. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they need physical activity to exert whatever they took on from somebody else, right? There's there's just different ways that we have to deal with that person, right? It's not mm. go sit in your room for the introvert one. It might be that's actually what they need and yep. they don't realize it, right? Or it could be, you know, giving choices. I know with people, a lot of my clients that are talking about like how to, how to start to work with their kids where you do have to teach them things and they do have to listen to you. But instead of, you know, putting them somewhere, I love to work with crystals and to have a, a collection of crystals Maybe you don't believe in it, but for those who do, this is interesting. Having them go select a crystal that they can go sit with and their magic, right? Just letting them understand that there's a magic in them and they can go pick it. And then what I love, again, if somebody's into it, what I love is telling them afterwards what it could mean that they chose that one. So you're helping them to see again, this, this intuitiveness, this empathic, this sensitivity is allow them to have discernment of like, wow, you picked rose quartz. You must need some love and compassion, right? Are you forgiving someone for something? Or if they picked, you know, smoky quartz, it's like, oh, they had nightmares. It's helping them detox. So there's some, now I'm going on a whole different tangent, yeah. but there's so many neat ways. Well, I think even if someone, whether or not you believe in the metaphysical side of it, mm -hmm. just the, the, the act of that mm -hmm. uh, can have a power to it psychologically. I, I find a lot of metaphysical things, you can look at them on multiple levels mm -hmm. and whether or not or how much you believe in the metaphysics, there's still that that just having that outlet, having that that like, I am upset and so this is the ritual I conduct yes. to to grab control of that. So you know, yes. I, I go and select a crystal and then if nothing else, you have to stop thinking about what you're upset about and mm -hmm. start thinking about where the crystals are and which one you like and which one speaks to you. And by the mm -hmm. time you've done that, whether or not the crystal itself has had an effect, right. the fact that you were thinking about crystals for two minutes is right. going to have an effect. Right, right. Yeah, a little pattern interrupt. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so it's going to be very powerful. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so, so I, I love this concept. And I, as as I mentioned, I can't remember if it was before or after we started recording, but so my, my daughter is is certainly sensitive i don't know if it's just regular eight-year-old sensitivity or particularly empathic sensitivity as i mm -hmm. only have one child i don't have a control group um, <laughs> i just have the one but but there's definitely she just times she gets overwhelmed and and i try to it, you know I, I, I often do try to ask her 
Because crazy thing about kids, a lot of people don't realize this about children, they're actually just humans. Like they're smaller, but they're <laughs> humans. Like the same, like you and me are human and can talk and have conversations. Children also are humans. Yeah. So when you ask them things and empower them to make decisions, they do so and they do it surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. They do. Um, yeah, like I, I've never given my daughter a bedtime, um, but our bed, the bedtime is actually gravitating towards about 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, on her own. You know, we don't say it's 8 p.m. It's time to go to bed. It's it's 8 p.m. If we stay up later, I'm not going to want to read to you because I'm going to be tired. So if you want me to read to you, now is the time when the reading is going to happen, which means now is the time sleep is going to happen. She's like, okay. That's, That's awesome. Fine. We don't have fights over bedtime because I get her to buy in on anything mm-hmm anything she's doing i i don't say you must eat this you must do that um mm-hmm. there's a, i'll put consequence she misses the bus because she was watching tv in the morning she doesn't watch tv the next morning mm-hmm. um but i don't say you have to do this or that i create choices and she makes choices it's crazy it's like she's just a very short human that's awesome yeah 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 so i find that the i, I think it's powerful too is ask a child you know what what's Sometimes you can't answer what's wrong, but like, you know, what do you think you need? What would you Yes, that is huge. They, they probably won't know exactly what's wrong or how to articulate it, but what do you need? What would help you feel better? They usually have the answer for that. And if it's, I don't know, it's usually a hug. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's what it usually comes down to. Absolutely. Um, So, so you mentioned that you had, uh, how many businesses was it again? I'm on 14. 14. Okay. And it sounds like now are most of those in the, the therapy care spa. So I, they've all sold and I'm down to one, which kind of merged. It was, um, so it started out with a day spa that was, we were in Pennsylvania and it was uh, the number one in the greater Philadelphia region and in our County. And then I opened another spa right next door. Mm Mm-hmm. But this one was specifically for couples. So it was just this really pretty loft area. And then we had custom makeup and jewelry. And then I opened a yoga studio down the street. Then at one point I realized I could merge them all. Oh, and I opened a boutique right around the corner too, a gift shop. Mm -hmm. Forgot. I kind of had the street going. Um, But I ended up selling the boutique and then merging the other stuff into the one spa. Mm -hmm. And then I sold that spa. But I continued to open little yoga studios like wherever it was that I moved because okay. I ended up moving to about like two hours away. Um, and then within the yoga, a yoga studio I was also working in, I opened a little metaphysical shop. And that's the only one that I like closed, but it was because I moved to Florida. I wasn't okay. in Pennsylvania anymore. And then I brought it to Florida. So I opened a um, therapeutic coaching space. It's called mm-hmm. Heart Space Center, and it's where we do the therapeutic coaching. I offer energy work and sound healing and um, sound therapy and meditation and just like group workshops, VIP retreats for my clients. And I just expanded last week to another space where now we'll be bringing in skincare and massage because in all of my recipe for my clients, it's about self-awareness and self-nourishment. When we take care of ourselves, we're better resourced to handle things that we can't handle. So I thought I would just bring it all so it's all here and available. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and and so do you, do you do online coaching as well? Yeah, that's the primary part of my business. It okay. Is. Yeah. So coaching through 
through the wires. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I did have a lot. My most recent clients, though, have all been local. So okay. it's just interesting. But also, coincidentally, at the same time, my computer had gotten hacked. And because of the hack, I got banned from all of the social media outlets. Um, so that was what prompted me to expand the local business because I was like, oh, this isn't big enough if I'm going to be doing this more. So I just moved. Um, and then I got my social media back. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, that was definitely timed in a way that I'm supposed to be here. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, definitely. That tends to work, you know, when, mm -hmm. when uh, you know, one thing leaves. I, I saw a, a, a joke once says, if when one door opens, if when one door closes, another opens, then your house may be haunted. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but yeah, that, that idea of like something leaves to make space for something else. Yeah, um, yeah. Moves aside to make space and then moves back in. Yeah, um, definitely something I I very much believe in, mm -hmm. and um, now you mentioned you host retreats at your at your event. The, the my networker hat just came on, and yeah. do you ever do that kind of spa type work or manager um, or whatever at other people's retreats? I have not yet. Okay. Um, I was invited once, and then it fell through because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I have not. I've done stuff like that when I've gone away to training that I became kind of a guest yep. bonus in the training because of something I could offer that they didn't have. But I haven't done that yet. Um, I'm totally open to it, but just haven't. I'll have to connect you to some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's what I do. I make some connections. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's and funny, it's a beautiful, I... it's a beautiful space too. Like I yeah. live in Southwest Florida, so I'm 10 minutes from the beach. So it's yeah. definitely a destination here too. It's fantastic. And so, yeah, so someone could have a retreat at your place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In addition to you going to their place. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. As I say, so my other podcast, I have the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, which is all about networking and making connections and the Power yes. Love Live show, which is all about networking connections and four people on the show at a time. And I was thinking I was going to add a segment on there of like, who would you like to meet and do live introductions? And apparently I set the intention and now I'm making introductions on this show, too, because, you know, nice. it's kind of in my nature. I should not resist it. So, yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah. So, so we can talk off the air about that stuff. But okay. um, but, no, but this is a, a fascinating conversation. Um Especially it, anything that becomes relevant to my daughter is always fascinating to me. But mm -hmm. um, I, I, th I think I'm also a bit empathic myself uh, and a bit intuitive. I, I'm sometimes an intuitive networker. I'll make mm -hmm. connections. It's kind of like they come to me because I still don't remember them. So just like a name comes out of the air from the networking spirits and nice the connection I should make. Yeah, uh, which is great except it means that like when I'm stressed out and distracted, I don't make as good connections. So. It's right. yeah, it was more systematized, uh, but it, but yeah, it's because I, I I tend to be more of you know a realist in the science and the solve the problems and you know masculine kind of thing, um, yeah. and and so it, it is always interesting to explore this this space which I don't naturally do. So I I appreciate that you mm -hmm. have dragged me into it. Um, good, yeah, it's always a good place to explore and um and and get more in touch with that because I I try not to be one of those uncomfortable with emotion sorts. Um, yeah. It's but. hard not to be. I mean, I still am too, but that's that's where like the codependency part. It's like my partner's upset. I'm going to do everything I can to make that stop. Mm -hmm. I don't want him to be upset and I certainly don't want to feel it. So I want to fix it all. Yep. Yeah. So, so the inclination is to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Yep. Yeah. Which can be 
can be problematic. So, mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, but this one's great stuff. Great stuff for for parents of of sensitive kids. Great stuff for the former kids who mm -hmm. are now adults. Who yeah, are still yeah, sensitive. they. We didn't learn the idea of the energetic or the emotional backpack as the mm -hmm. kids. So that's why I'm helping people understand it now as a grown up. Yeah. Because they've been carrying it around too long. Yeah, I love, love that idea of the emotional backpack. That's a really good, good metaphor. Um, so if people want to get in touch with you and uh, connect or take advantage of some of these things you do, some of your mm -hmm. one remaining business, uh, how would they do so? My website is my name, heatherdempsey.com. And on it, there is. Um, there's a really great masterclass. There's one for individuals who don't have a business, but they'll be learning these concepts and my methodology. Then there's one for business owners. Okay. Um, it's right there on the site. There's also a link for my center and information for the VIP days and uh, my calendar. So. Very good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's all in one place. Look who's mm -hmm. so organized. I am a little bit. Nice. Well, fantastic. It's been great talking to you. Great. Glad, I was so glad we had a chance to meet and learn all yeah. this stuff. Uh, hopefully our uh, our listeners will also learn lots of stuff and then reach out to you and say, teach me more stuff. Yeah, I would love to. I feel mm -hmm. like you've got more stuff to teach than we can fit into a 30 minute conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I usually bit. do the, the soft intro to it all. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to show. You got to ease them into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show. That's Heather Dempsey. That's with a P, D-E-M-P-S-E-Y dot com. And of course, that's down in the show notes. So you don't even have to type it. You can just click on it or tap on it or whatever tool you use to activate links these days. Um, and all the stuff is right there. So thanks so much for being on. Thanks, Michael. This has been the Neurodiversity Superpowers Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Sign up to get every episode at neurodiversitysuperpowers.me. Join our Facebook group on facebook.com slash groups slash neurodiversity superpowers. Thank you so much for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people ask me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me slash course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course.